everybody it's time for the in off the bench podcast i am daniel ball the keeper of the peace and i'm joined as always by my co-hosts my partners in crime my brothers from other mothers jim cross randy jowers boys tonight's episode 16 titled grand junction junction what's your function because we're gonna get right into our biggest interview in podcasting this week with not only Grand Junction Rockies player, but a Colorado Rockies big time prospect, Keegan James. Keegan, my man, how are we doing tonight? Doing well, man. Thank y'all for having me on the podcast. Yeah, bro. Um, you know, we we've talked off the air about having your brother on, and you know, we know a little bit about the family life, but I do want to want to dig in a little a little bit with you. Um, you know, where are you from? What was it like growing up? How many siblings you have? What, what's the deal? <clears throat> I uh, grew up in South Haven, Mississippi. Uh, mom and dad got brother and sister, Cameron and Sterling. Cameron's in Mississippi State now playing shortstop, obviously been on the podcast. Uh, my sister is playing softball at Jones Community College, tearing it up down there. And uh, yeah, so grew up pretty normal life. So, you know, I, I hear about the James family and, you know, and from your dad to your brothers to you, there's a lot of athleticism in the family. So who is the most athletic James? Most athletic James, man, I, I told you before this, I might blow your mind, but I think the most athletic was Greg James in his prime. My dad. Um, contrary to what he says, maybe he, uh, he could windmill, 360 dunk, do all that, played free safety at Mississippi State, kicked some, and it was a star quarterback, you know, all through high school and junior college. So until any of us can do any of that, then I'm going I'm to say he wins that spot. I mean, Shout out, Dad. For real. I mean, you, you're, giving, you're giving him the accolades, but it seems like with everything that you told me, he, he has earned that title, but – you know, with, with a guy like him being so athletic and coming from a background like that, was there any pressure to, to get into sports? Um, no, I don't think so. I think, you know, from when we were little, uh, we were just always around it, and I just – I grew to love it, uh, whether it be football or baseball. Um, same with my brother and my sister. Uh, there was always the – there was always the pressure to work hard in whatever you do. And over time, that pressure became what we wanted to do and how we wanted to approach everything we did. Uh, just the grind of it, you know, the positive attitude, the always work harder than the guy next to you. Um, so no no pressure to play the sports. Um, I think over time, we kind of just developed a love for everything we ever did on a field or on a court. Yeah, you, you mentioned football and baseball. Were those the only two sports you played growing up? <laughs> yeah. I uh I wasn't much for basketball. I wasn't I wasn't good enough for that. I don't think I made it past my uh my eighth grade year of middle school. And I think that year I I don't even think I touched the court, but maybe for a minute <laughs> max. 
Well, you you had your dad windmill three sixty Duncan. Like you were like, forget that. I, I ain't even yeah. got a shot. I'm just I'm man. To yeah, I uh, my love was playing baseball since the time I could walk. Really play t-ball. I just you know my cousin Austin, uh, his uncle or my uncle, his dad, you know, taught us everything we knew. Him and Gary Blaylock. Uh, and there's some others thrown in there, but those two were like the main reason I really got into baseball. And, uh, you know, dad played, played in high school, but football was his gig. And, um, I just found that love through all my friends and other family members that kind of had that same love and passion for baseball. And I ran with it. So as a kid growing up, were you, were you a travel ball kid? Were you in rec leagues and then you went on the travel ball? Uh, no, we actually always played travel ball. I did USSA stuff from the time I can remember uh, with the Mississippi Royals onto the Memphis Tigers, onto the Doolins Dodgers. Um, so my whole childhood, summers, spring breaks, everything, we were traveling all over the country, playing in big invitational tournaments. Um, so, no, I never, I never did the rec league thing, but, but we tore it up in some U-Trip major. What, what positions were you as a kid growing up? Man, first base was my, my first love. I love playing first base. To this day, I'll say I'm better than any first baseman out there just to keep that chip on my shoulder. Can you swing it a little bit? Heck no. Man, I haven't picked up a bat <laughs> since high school. And in high school, I was maybe a 300 hitter. It, I like it, to think I could swing it, but. They bring, you, they bring you in, in in the eighth or ninth for defensive <laughs> purposes? No, I started all the way through. Um, I played every game. I I don't know if I ever missed a game in high school, but uh, I did decent enough to help us win some games and do some stuff, but I was no Austin Riley or Cameron James or Blaze Jordan in there ever. <laughs> so when I, when I think about guys at your level, you know, I think, you know, you guys must have just been like these – awesome like players from kids growing up were you always the best player on the team or were you ever you in your eyes the best player on the team no absolutely not um I always prided myself and you know I always I felt like I needed to work harder than everybody to be on the same playing field as a lot of the guys that I was uh playing with um whether I was in the weight room you know taking extra reps on the field doing whatever but you know, it's hard when your cousin's Austin Riley. Uh, not that you're in his shadow, but you want to mimic everything he does and, you know, try to stay up to par with him. And so that that's kind of what drove me, and that's how I kind of saw it. Well, you know, him coming off the, the last podcast, he saw y'all as equals. He never talked as if he was better than you at any point. And I loved it. And he even talked about y'all's relationship and playing football together. I mean, it seems like y'all were, man, peas and carrots for real. Oh, dude, we still are. We're like brothers, man. I talk to him every day. Uh, not as much baseball anymore. It's more, you know, we're doing so much baseball. We try to get our mind off of it. And we talk a lot of hunting, a lot of fishing, you know, stuff like that. I do, I do have a question that I didn't have planned, but it came off what Daniel was just talking about. And, you know, you were saying you weren't that good a hitter, but you believed you were. Would you ever pull a Todd Peterson moment like at LSU and tell your coach that you hit dingers back in the day just so you can get out there and swing it? Hundred percent. I even tried that at state. It just never, it just never happened. There was a, uh, there was one semester at state. <laughs> funny story. 
Um, Will Coggin was over there, and he was one of our coaches. Shout out, Will. But uh, he came to me and said, hey, I heard you could swing the stick a little bit in high school. And, you know, the college athlete, and, you know, you're never going to talk bad about yourself. Of course I could swing. Of course I could hit. Let's do it. Hadn't picked up a bat in two years, you know. And uh, we got to hitting. I was hitting in the Palmero Center, got to do some live BPs, hit a couple out with some wood bats, was feeling myself a little bit. And uh, I think that happened for like three weeks. And coach came up to me, put his arm around me, said, Keegan, I hate to break it to you, but uh, we got you confused with a new grad transfer. <laughs> uh, we didn't really know who he was at the time, but he hits way better than you, so you can stick to pitching. So that was shot down really quick, but I had my fun. Uh, yeah, you got to get some VP sessions in, so it's all good. Um, so, you know, I'll be honest with you, Keegan, what, what some people don't know, me and Daniel had to talk about this before the episode, and uh, he put it best. Uh, for, for you, you're kind of like uh, Bigfoot to me, and let me explain what I mean by that. It might sound odd, but I've been to your house numerous times to talk to your dad or your brother. I've been to two years' worth of your brother's baseball games. You know, I've met Austin, you know, at the square and everything. And up until you came on this screen of this podcast, I couldn't verify that you're a real person because somehow through all of that, I've never actually seen you. You know, people talk about it. I see the pictures, but I've never actually been able to verify with my own eyes that you're real. So uh, <laughs> this might be the biggest podcast for me because I'm like, I'm accomplishing something here. Just getting to see me on camera. Well, likewise, yeah. man, I've, I've heard all, a lot of good stuff about y'all and those podcasts and, you know, shame on me. I've never even listened to any of my brothers just because I'm always going and oh, doing it. You know, don't got to get on. I got to start. You don't want to listen to it because he said he was the best athlete in family and he didn't even hesitate, bro. Man, I, I knew he would. And, hey, I'll let him think what he wants to think. <laughs> you get, Hey, we know who dad's favorite is now for sure. That's right. But uh, let's get into it. So let's talk high school. Where'd you go? Uh, DeSoto Central High School. I, uh, I graduated in 2015. Um, played football, baseball there, went on a good run. Yeah, what was the, uh, what was the state of the program really when you got there? That was before the, the winning culture had really developed, right? Um, yeah, and I think it was, uh, it was on the uprise when I got there as a freshman. Uh, I wasn't on varsity as a freshman um, just because I, don't, I, I didn't really grow into myself and the player that I, I thought I think I am now until about my sophomore year when I started getting looked. Um, and then Mark Monaghan came in and really, really turned it around from or took the reins and kept going in the direction that I think that Coach Faulkner had it going, um, you know, and developed a, a winning culture. Like you said, uh, they were just very big on it's not an eye sport. It's a team game. And no matter what happens, we're going to find a way to win. And I loved it, man. I ate it up. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody we've talked to has said the same thing about him as a coach. And, man, you get, you got you to gotta love it. So, you said first base. We know you pitched. Are those the only two uh, positions you played, or did you play anywhere else where you're there? No. My uh, senior year of high school, I actually played second base. Um, our middle infield ended up going and playing in college. Uh, they were a year older than us. And we had uh, Hayden Tapper who actually ended up playing at Blue Mountain State as a first baseman. And he was really good in high school. So he, he ended up playing first base so that I could move to second base. And we made made do with what we had. 
And, uh, man, I, I really love playing the middle infield just because <laughs> I'm 6'2", 6'3", you know, 215 pounds, getting to play the middle infield with Austin when he was playing shortstop that year. Um, him and Drew Golden split time over there, and I had a blast. Yeah, your dad actually told me about Drew. He said, uh, man, his willingness to play anywhere, and, and, he, and he took it on, and he did it well. That's actually interesting that you brought his name up. Um, hey, yeah, Drew's not playing anymore, but that dude was a grinder. That whole team we had, they, they just wanted to win. And you could tell when everybody got on the field and were clicking, clicking together, things went right and went our way a lot. So, you, you know, you mentioned your sophomore year when you really started getting your uh, your groove. I mean, summary of progression, I mean, did you – I mean, was it simple? Did you get better year by year and, you know, really start to develop a lot of confidence? Uh, Yeah, I, I think my freshman summer, I kind of hit a growth spurt, kind of, you know, started realizing that baseball was my niche and what I really wanted to do um, and make a career out of it. So my dad, you know, every Wednesday we were driving to Nashville to go work with Lance Wheeler, who ended up, you know, developing a baseball think tank and the uh, core velocity belt. So we ended up doing that. I spent a lot of time going to Jackson on the weekends as well to work with Terry Thompson, um, you know, ex, ex pitcher with the Indians and runs an incredible facility down in Flowood, Mississippi. Uh, so once I, I got with those guys and, you know, they kind of put the confidence in my head that, hey, you're a big kid and you move well and you can you can really throw a baseball if you work on this. So at, at that point, it kind of clicked. And that's when I said, all right, this is what I really want to do. All right. And so, you know, things are clicking. You get to junior year. And I got to ask, man, because, you know, it started with we had Dallas on first of your teammates and he brought it up. And then, of course, Austin talked about it. Let's talk about it. The sting of that loss to, to Oak Grove, man. How did, how did it leave you feeling? Oh, it was a horrible – it's probably one of the worst feelings I think I've had in baseball. Um, I've thought about it a lot ever since I left, you know, just because that gives that gives Cameron's class a little more edge on us. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm sure y'all are going to ask me about that. But. Yeah, but Randy tell, Randy, tell him the key thing that Cameron says. What is it? He said, count them rings, baby. <laughs> count them rings. Yeah, go ahead and count them rings, boy. Uh, but, yeah, so we know that happened junior year, and that obviously led to uh, leaving y'all with a spark with some hunger going into senior year, um, and y'all obviously got it done, man. Just give me your take. Like I said, we've had those guys take, but give me your take of that, that senior year and that, and that run to the state title. Um, I, I, think it, I think it meant more to me to even just make it back to the state championship that year because the year before, man, our team was loaded. I think overall talent-wise, we had a better team my junior year, and we just couldn't get it done. Had a few mistakes there at the end, you know, that just cost us. And the grit and determination of my guys my senior year, man, I those are my boys for life. They, they got it done. We had a goal set in mind in the fall, and, you know, we followed through. And so it was, it was one of the biggest accomplishments of my life. Being able, I mean, my dad, my family, everybody wanted it so bad, too. Being able, when that line drive was hit to Austin, he caught it. I was playing second base. I remember it like it was yesterday. He threw his arms up. I threw my arms up. My turn, and I pointed at my dad. And, dude, it was it was really neat. It was, it was a lot of fun. Safe to say that was easily your favorite moment <laughs> in your time in high school playing baseball? Absolutely, by far. All right, so let's talk about when did you realize that you were going to be able to play on the next level and play college ball? Uh, around what time? Um, actually, my sophomore year. 
Uh, I went to a bunch of showcases. I went down to LSU with Austin um, and then ended up going to a Mississippi State showcase. And I was throwing 85, 86 or something at the time. And for a sophomore, that, that was pretty good uh, at the time. You know, guys are throwing freaking <laughs> 95 now as sophomores. But uh, it, it put me on the map when I went to that showcase and did that. And they more or less offered me on the spot. Um, I went home to think about it, but I knew as soon as I got off that campus that I was going to call them in the next couple of days because that's just that was my dream. But it, it all fell into place, you know, going into my sophomore season. Yeah, and and Austin told us about you, you know you guys signing together. That was really cool. But I, I mean, I do got to ask a question. I know you see my hoodie. I know you see the backdrop. Come on, man. Why not LSU? Man, it was it was just my lifelong dream to play at State just because I had family that went there. My Austin's dad played football there. Uh, I had a lot of family members that were in the, you know, the famous maroon and white band down there. Uh, dad obviously played. And uh, I just – I grew up a Ron Polk fan. And, you know, being from Mississippi, that's obviously the best school in the state, and it's not even close. So, that's where I we had to go. It. Hey, we that's got where we had to go. We got some Ole Miss players coming on here soon, so they'll give them some ammunition to battle hey, back. Hey, I, I was talking about them 14 wins while I was there for four years. Woo, I hear you. Come on, swinging. All right, so first day on campus, man. That's the school you've dreamed of going to. It's, it's, it's where your family went, like you said. What was it like, man, as soon as you got there? Oh, it, it was crazy. It was It's everything you, you dreamt of when you, when you got there. Um, but you realize as soon as you got there, <laughs> your work was just starting. Um, we showed up. I think I went – trying to think what year that was. I think the fall – no, the summer of 2015 maybe. Uh, we had we went for summer school. Uh, got to, you know, do all the lifts and see how practice was ran and all that before everybody got on campus just to get acclimated a little bit. And uh, it, it hit me that this is the next level. This is the – top level of college baseball and it was time to kick it into another gear and and so was it more nervous more nervousness or more excitement I think a little bit of both because the year I came in I think our recruiting class was a top five in the country something like that top 10 top five and there were a lot of dudes that came in obviously for that ranking um, on top of you know your Dakota Hudson that is starting in the big leagues for the Cardinals now Austin Sexton um, Jacob Robson, who might debut with the Tigers this year, Nate Lowe. There were just a lot of dudes on that team that are now playing big league ball or about to, and you knew it that year. It was their draft year, and you knew going in that if you wanted to pitch, you had to show out. So it, it was both nervousness and excitement. Yeah, I'll be honest. I've been as I've been watching pro ball, and they say where guys went to college, you know, underneath their thing. I'm very shocked at just how many. I mean, I mean a lot of Mississippi State alumni out there in the, in the pros right now getting it done. So, I mean, shout out to y'all's, y'all's program and what y'all been doing. So, let's talk, you know, first win against South Dakota State, first start against Alcorn State, you know, the, the freshman year. You know, how, how, did the, how did those moments feel for you? <laughs> they were incredible. They were kind of surreal. Um, you, you feel like you're on top of the world. Uh, I remember. I remember my – my first time out of the pen, that first win, like it was yesterday, it was Daniel Brown threw 4.1 innings. And Cohen took him out and put me in and let me take the rest of the game for 4.2, just enough to get the W. 
Um, it, it wasn't the best feeling stealing a, uh, a win basically from one of your dudes who's still playing pro ball now. Uh, but it was, it was really neat though, to come in as a freshman and, you know, be the second guy out of the pen. Yeah, man. Sounds good. Uh, you know, and then I got, I got to ask the negative man, 2017 got hurt. You know, what was it like to go through the injury and then have to, to you know, rehab? Uh, yeah, it was brutal. Um, mentally more than physically. Uh, I don't, I don't wish that. I don't wish Tommy John on anybody ever. But I think now I'm stronger because of it. Uh, but yeah, it, it it stunk. You know, we had we had just come off a really good year, made it to a super regional that close to the College World Series um, with that really good 2015 team, 2016 team, and I was really excited for the next season. I I had talks with the new coach at the time, Andy Canazero had just come in, and we had sat down and. You know, I was making a push for the Saturday start as a sophomore. And just to hear that news sitting in Doc's office and him telling me, I just remember my face went white, got chills. And so what do you do? You know, you go, you get the TJ and you work your butt off like you have your whole life to come back better than ever. Yeah, no doubt. And one of the things, you know, Daniel really wanted me to ask this question, and it's, it's an intriguing one. What you know, coming off a of surgery like that, what's it like to cut it loose the first time you're back out on the mound after a surgery yeah. like that? Man, it's kind of freaky. Um, there's a lot of emotions and a lot of stuff going through your head. Um, but it, it's just like anything. After the first, you know, five, six, seven pitches are let loose, and you know nothing's going to go wrong. Really, you just got to have faith that the doctor did well and you put the time in for the rehab. So yeah, it's a freaky experience, but it goes away quick. It's just like pregame jitters. And after the first pitch or first snap, you know, or jump ball, it kind of goes. Talk us through what that road's like, man, going through, going through regionals, going through super, going to Omaha, you know, that whole experience that first time through in 2018. Oh, hey, it's incredible. Um, and, and that year that, that 2018 year, you know, after all the things that went down with the Canazero staff and Gary Henderson taking over. And I mean, talking to all our guys, we really had no business being there. I mean, we did just strictly because of, you know, how we were playing and all that. But after everything we'd been through, it had been really easy to throw in the towel. And it kind of went back to my whole senior year of high school is what it felt like a little bit, you know, just the grit, the grind, and the will and want to just win. And that's all our guys wanted to do were win. And so it was being able to go to the College World Series and play at the new park, TD Ameritrade. You know, you dream of that as a little kid. So when you get out there and, you know, you feel like you're on an island, there's so many fans there. I mean, we, we played in front of a lot of people at Mississippi State, but when you got to TD Ameritrade, Add five, six, seven, eight thousand more, man. It, it's like an MLB game. It's crazy. So, um, were you nervous the first time out on the mound? Yeah, um, but it's it, like I said. After the first three or four pitches, it kind of goes away, and after that, the dugouts and the stands and everything felt so far away from the mound compared to some other places you played, like Alex Box. Dude, Alex Box, you feel like every stinking Cajun is just right on top of that's on That's on purpose, man. You know that. I know it. I know it is. But at the World Series, it, it really 
you kind of you can it was more calming than it was nervous I felt like than in a lot of those SEC games so obviously y'all lost to, to Oregon State who would go on to to win it all but then like you said you got left with that hunger similar to the way high school was and y'all ended up back there for a second run um man did did it feel similar or was I mean was it was it completely different the second time around um, it was different only because we felt like we deserved to be there. The whole season, you know, there we went through some rough patches, but it wasn't anything like the year before. And our whole motto was like, if we did it last year, we definitely can do it this year. And so that's how we kind of we, – we looked at it. You know, the whole season was we deserve to be there. We're going to work our butt off. But, but we know we are a championship-caliber team, and we're going to get back to Omaha and give it another run. Yeah, and I mean, y'all did a y'all did a great run. And I actually watched that before I even um, knew who you were. I watched that series, and of course, once again, um, you you came up short to the team that won the national champion. I, I'll ask this: you know, some people aren't believers in any kind of silver lining. Does it even feel slightly better that both years you lost to the team that won it all? Um, I think it helps ease the pain a little bit. But also, none of those games were blowouts. And you felt like if we did one or two things differently, you know, we might could have put ourselves in that position. So it dulls the pain a little bit. But, no, it, it was still there. Well, I'll end on this. And, th and this has got to at least dull the pain for you personally. You know, I saw the statistics come up. And as far as the College World Series historically, you have the second uh, lowest ERA ever. And it was in two games against – Oregon State and Vandy, who went on to win the title. So, I mean, you know, you didn't get the title, but individually you really accomplished something. I mean, I mean, to the second best, you know, ever, that's 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 really saying something. Yeah, my dad sent me that uh that tweet or link, whatever it was, when it came out, and it, it blew my mind actually, because I had never I've never been one to go back and look at my stats. I always felt like if I go look at stats, I'm just giving myself bad juju, you know, if I'm doing well. Um, but it, it was really cool because there was a lot of struggle over there, you know, with just with the arm rehab and trying to come back and being my, myself that I was in high school again and what I was my freshman year. And to get that, it, it, it was pretty neat. I, I thought it was cool. So, Keegan, we're going to kind of dive into to not only we're going to dive into more what that feeling was like, but also getting into pros and – and basically taking it back to state, even in high school, when did you first know you were like on the pros radar, start getting scouted by pros, not not college, but the pros? Um, my freshman year, uh, I had a, my agent who I'm with now, he reached out to me and a couple more. Uh, and, and when the agents start talking to you, you kind of, you know, you get that little chip on your shoulder to where, hey, there's people, there's people noticing what you're doing. Um, so it just adds more fuel to the fire. So they didn't leave you after you had your surgery, huh? They stay with you. Hey, uh, a lot of them did, but my boy Jordan Reed with Frontline that I'm with now, he stuck with me, and that's why I'm sticking with him. Absolutely, brother. Loyalty matters. So that's right. Walk us through, obviously, you know, for the people that are listening, was there ever like a, a pro, like a scout day at Mississippi State where the scouts came in and watched you? Was it just games? No, it was just games, and then um, they do a lot of their scouting in summer ball. So I, I – I did really well after my freshman summer right before Tommy John in the Valley League with the Strasburg Express. Uh, me and Peyton Plumley were actually up there together. This was right right after he left 
Northwest and was about to start his first year at Mississippi State. Me and him have been boys our whole life. And we went up there and said, man, we're about to shove. Let's get after it. And we did. So that's when some talks started happening. Um, and then they definitely, when you're in the Cape Cod League, my uh, redshirt sophomore year after surgery, after I was healed, um, I did really well up there. And, uh, you know, that's when guys really start honing in on you, offering money, doing things like that. So I think, you know, we didn't have any pro days, but they were always watching. So you talk about the summer league, and that's something that obviously, you know, a lot of us have heard of. But, you know, you mentioned Plumlee and everything. But who were some guys that you played against that are, that are names that everybody would know? J.J. Bleday. He still hit a butt-out change-up over second base in the College World Series that made me mad to this day. Um, you don't <laughs> hold on to it, though, right? <laughs> no, nah, because he was 1-1 and way richer than I am. He's doing okay. Um, who else, man? Antoine Duplantis almost beat Jake for the hit record. Uh, golly, there's too many to really count. A lot from LSU. A lot from LSU. Those were stud teams. Um, you don't got to say that just because Jim's an LSU fan. No, no, I'm not. Uh, actually, I struck out Pete Alonzo. Struck nice. him out in a in the SEC tournament. I want to say. Um, when he you was give him a Florida. fist bump, you give him a little fist, you know, pump the fist bump. <laughs> I don't remember, but I do know that same game. ESPN called uh, Trent Waddell, who was one of our pitching GAs at the time, slapping me in the face in the bullpen before I ran out. So I had a handprint on my face when I was pitching. <laughs> so. so, you know, we we talked to Austin about it. We talked to a lot of these guys about it. I, you know how it's you're, it's a moment thing. Uh, I tell my kids to soak it in, and they haven't reached anywhere near the level that you have. But did you ever, like when you're in the World Series or you're having the pro scouts are there, did you ever just soak it in and say, like, man, I can't believe I'm here and they're looking, they're here for me? Um, no, I, I don't think I ever did. I think you, it was always just focused on the task at hand. Uh, it, it's kind of like what I was saying with, you know, all the fans and everything in Omaha. You, you kind of learn to block it out and you don't notice it much. Um, you kind of – you're on your island. You're kind of doing your own thing. So, even when the scouts are there, yeah, you know every now and then, like, when it's time, like, oh two, like, I need to rear back. There's 15 guys with a gun behind me, that type stuff. So, yeah, that – that those type of days, yeah, you let it eat and you know they're there. But other than that, it's kind of just business as usual. So, for those that don't know, were you drafted or were you signed later? No, I was drafted in the 25th round. What was that like? Walk us through what it was like having your name. They give you a shout on the call of the cell. What's up? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, that, that's probably one of the coolest days of my life. Uh, I was actually in the weight room after a practice. Coach was actually really mad at me because I kept walking in and out of the weight room with my cell phone to talk to my agent. And uh, he kept calling me, hey, so-and-so, this is happening. This is happening. They're offering this much. What do you want to do? Blah, blah, blah. And then finally, uh, Zach Zuli, the scout that – you know, contacted me from the Rockets and called me and said, hey, I'll offer you this much. Let's be a Rocky. We just took you. I said, let's get to work. So it, it was really neat. It, uh, it happened in a really weird way, just being in the weight room and, you know, team practice didn't have time to soak it in until that night when I got back to my place. Um, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Really Walk us through that, Keegan. Now you're saying that after the, they say we drafted you, you know that you're getting – you're signing for some coin. You went back to working out? Oh, yeah, man. Got to. The <laughs> Game grind time, don't stop. baby. Yeah, grind don't stop. I got the call in the middle of my workout. 
did it, called my family real quick, said, hey, I got to go. I'll talk to you later about it, and then got back to the lift. Bro, I, I respect the grind. I respect that. So talk <laughs> us through where did you start your minor league career? Because, look, let's, let's walk this back a little bit. You played at State, obviously beautiful facilities. You're talking about Omaha. You played in the Cod, all these great places, and now where's your minor league career start? Grand Junction, Colorado. Um, we got back from Omaha. I don't remember what day, but I got a phone call from Jesse Stender, one of the coordinators with the Rockies, and he said, hey, how soon can you be out here? I was like, well, I was going to go home, blah, 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 get some stuff. I can be out in like a week, week or two. I didn't know how it worked. I didn't have any clue on how that stuff worked. He said, um, well, I'm going to stop you right there. That's not how this is going to work. I need you on a flight in two days. Ooh. I said, okay. So I get off the plane. My host family picks me up go to an Applebee's, get lunch. And as soon as we leave that, I'm like, well, are we going to the house? What are we doing? I said, oh, no, you got to go to the field. I said, okay. So I go to the field, sign my contract, do all that, you know, get ran through all that, told us all the legal stuff, got our locker. And then I'm sitting there and I'm talking to one of the pitching coaches that I just met. And I said, so do I just come back tomorrow? What's going on? Because, you know, in college, it's probably, that's how that would have happened. He's like, oh, no you had a locker because you're suiting up. You're going to sit in the bullpen and watch this game tonight. I said, all right. So that was man. probably one of the longest days of my life, man. So, so was that – let's talk about the transition from playing, you know, obviously high-level baseball. You're, you know, you've been in the College World Series. But what was, the, what was the most difficult part of the transition from D1 to pros? Um, pretty cliche answer, but I think travel. You just got to get – you got to get used to how to take care of your body and how to make sure you're getting your meals and, you know, your lifts in and all that kind of stuff and just getting on that schedule. Also, when you get in there, they kind of just throw you to the sharks. Mm -hmm. um, the only way you learn things in pro ball are asking other, other players when you first get there. So we had no clue. Me and Tristan Barlow, we had no idea, you know, when we were going out to the field, where to even look to see the itinerary, when to do anything because coaches don't tell you. They've been – you know, their business as usual, and you're just a new guy that they just flew in. So that that was really weird. So the first, you know, month, month and a half, it, it was a lot just trying to figure everything out and how it all went together. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, and obviously, you know, you're dealing with a whole lot more as a young player in the pros with the COVID, the pandemic happened. So, you know, kind of the adjustment, talk us through that and what that was like dealing with, you know, a canceled season and, and how that looked for you. Um, it was a grind at first, I think. Um, I've got my routine now, but, you, you know, it sucked because I went out a month early to spring training. I got a house with six other guys, an Airbnb in Scottsdale, and uh, we were really looking forward to it. We had a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of good things going on. We were able to get in the flow of how spring training was going to work. So every day we could go up to the field, you know, and they were it, – it was basically spring training without it being called spring training. So – you know, we were getting our work in, we were getting our lifts in, we were getting to eat our, you know, our two meals, healthy food at the at the field, all that kind of stuff. And then two days into spring training, before we even start playing games, you know, the next week, we get a call saying, hey, we got to go. We got to go home, leave your stuff in your locker, we'll pack it up and send it. So I was, I was very bummed out, but I also, it's given me a lot of time because when I left state, you know, I had... Man, I weighed 245 pounds. Uh, mechanics were really bad just because of just not doing the right things after Tommy John mechanically, you know. 
I was focused on so much other stuff rather than what needed to be focused on. And um, so right now, the way I see it is the longer we're away for COVID is the more wow factor I have when I go back. Because they haven't seen 215 Keegan who's throwing the ball, you know, faster, harder, healthier than he ever has. So that it hasn't been that bad. It, just having that thought process of, you know, this could be a good thing for me. Yeah, so one of the things that, I, that I've kind of picked up on, you know, hearing is the, the grit and the grind and obviously your mindset with this, just saying, okay, I'm going to look at COVID. A lot of people, like you said about Mississippi State, we could have packed it up, we could have mailed it in, but we didn't. So you're looking at this like, hey, man, I'm going to get better. I'm going to use this time to up my game, you know, and like you said, I'm going to go all gas, no breaks. So, and I like that, man. All it's, gas, it's a mindset. no breaks. got to be. I love it. I love it. So yeah, no, give, us, give us some inside scoop, man. What's the word on the upcoming season? Uh, we got an email a couple weeks ago saying possible April 1st start time for minor leaguers for spring training. Um, but also in that email about five or six times, it reiterated, hey, this isn't set in stone. This just gives us a guideline. So nobody really knows. Everything's up in the air. The Rockies contact us, you know, once every two months or so right now. They just sent us our throwing and lifting program a couple weeks ago in that same email. Um, so right now it's just like what we've been talking about, grit and grind, just get after it every day and hope that the season comes sooner than later. Absolutely. We hope for that, for that as well. But you talked about your daily routine. Kind of walk us through briefly what, what does that daily routine look like? I mean, I'm talking about you get up at what time and then what's the grind like from there? <laughs> well, right now, you know, minor league's not getting paid. So I moved to St. Louis to take a job. So I'm working from – 8 to 4.30 every day. Uh, there's a place called Premier Pitching Performance in Wentzville, Missouri. So as soon as I get off work, me and my roommate, Zach Neff, who's with the Twins organization, we drive 30 minutes to P3. Um, I usually start off, you know, a 45-minute foam roll, uh, loosening, you know, activation phase, go into my throwing, my plyo balls, you know, whatever type of throwing it is that day, my pull downs, my mound work, dry work. Uh, and then hit whatever lift it is that day. And when I get home, cook dinner, go to bed. Same thing yeah. every day. It's a grind. Well, yeah, mine's like that a little bit, except for I got four kids in the process. But you know what I'm saying? Yours sounds a little more eventful. <laughs> hey, I don't have those yet. I'm gonna yeah, I, I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it. But <laughs> So you're all gas, no breaks. I love it all. So give me – I want to know personal goals for you. Let's say season's going on. Give me a personal goal and an expectation you have of yourself for this upcoming season. This upcoming season, yeah. Uh, man, I want punchies. I want fastballs up in the zone, sliders down and away, and I want guys looking stupid. I've never really been a strikeout guy my whole life. I've always been taught, you know, fastballs lowing in and change-ups down and let's get ground balls and throw to contact. No, nah, I'm tired of that. I want, I want punch outs this year. Yo, DB told me something as a pitcher. He told me that only bad hitters hit, hit those pitches, so I like it. Exactly, exactly. They get lucky. They right. throw their hands low and away in the zone, easiest pitch to get to. They just get lucky. And they, they float it over the second baseman. That's why – yeah, exactly, exactly. That's why my brother's good, man. He just – he gets lucky a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of your brother, give us – you know, and the only reason I ask is because a lot of people don't have a chance to, like, get, like, some really good insight – what are the conversations baseball related? Like, let's say he's having a rough day. Does 
does he call you and ask for advice or vice versa? Um, recently, yes. We used to not really do that much because uh, it's kind of like me and Austin where, you know, we're always doing baseball. So if we talk, let's talk about something other than baseball just to clear the mind and get off of it for a little bit. But uh, no, now it's – I want to know how they're teaching the hitters at Mississippi State, what their thought process is in certain counts, and, you know, what are you looking for, what tips pitches. And the same for him. I mean, he'll – he asks the same thing when I'm throwing BP. You know, he'll ask all the questions and do I look like I'm doing this? Do I look like I'm going here with my, my lead leg or anything like that? Um, and even the mental side, you know, we'll we'll dive into that a little bit. So it, it's not a ton just because, you know, trying to clear the mind but when we do have the baseball talks now they're pretty in-depth that's pretty sweet yeah a lot of people I mean I grew up with a sister so it's hard to have an in-depth conversation and get advice when you know you're the only one in it so I'm, I'm sure it's pretty nice at times to have somebody in the trenches with you uh, hey well my sister things. hey my sister gets after it too man she uh she calls me all the time about, hey, meal prep, what do I need to do to do this, to gain this or to lose this? And same with, you know, some of her pitching stuff. Like if I do this lift, how is it going to affect this? And so we we just started kind of opening up and doing that a little bit more too. So Yeah, your sister's kind of flying under the radar as an athlete because of you two boys. You know that. Hey, my sister's B.A. when it comes to pitching in a softball game. She's probably got more grit and determination and kind of uh, – swagger on the mound than any of us ever had yeah y'all need to take some notes <clears throat> man that book would be way too long you know <laughs> we we talked about it when we had your brother on the first time look it's kind of unfair the way your family took all the athletic genes you know there wasn't anybody athletic in my family and i got the shaft and then y'all just all can play everything i don't i don't really find this fair at all no hey I can't play everything. That's what I'm saying. I've always had to work really hard for what I can do. Um, and the other sports, I never really worked hard enough at them. Like, I always – they were just kind of things to get me to baseball. So, when it comes to athleticism, that's why I'll never say me when it comes to straight-up pure athleticism. It's it's Cameron and Dad when it comes to the all-around athlete. I've just had to grind to perfect my craft, and I'm still not there yet. Bro, you over here playing for the Rockies and telling us, you, you know what I'm saying, I had to grind hey, yeah. for it. That's God given. Some yeah. of that's got to be. Yeah, absolutely. Every hey, everything's God given, but you know, some things you just gotta you gotta hone hone in on your craft. And so, I really enjoy it. I've become obsessed with it. You know, ever since I got drafted, more than I was in college. Um, more you on the might be side. DB's favorite guest because you've talked about the grind a lot. He loves it. That's, <laughs> that's it. Never, never the guy that is the most talented, but always the guy that works the hardest. So, but I will say this: yeah. is, is, is a is family guys, is all of us being big family guys. I do, I do want to ask because they did bring up, you know, your relationship with Cam, and then your relationship with your sister. How proud does it make you as the as the big brother to see their success? Oh, it's awesome! I I hope they have infinitely better careers than I ever do, just because. You know, I, I see – like, my brother, he was a late bloomer, really. I mean, if you want to call it that. His, his you know, success didn't come as quick as mine. But when his success came, it came. So, same with my sister. You know, she she always flew under the radar. I was always – you know, we have the age gap of, you know, about four years. And so, I was always in a different part of my life 
when she was, you know, going through softball, travel softball and doing all that. And I never really understood softball because I was always playing baseball and I didn't take the time to do it. But seeing both of them being able to play at the collegiate level and do really well at the collegiate level, it's it's way cooler than they ever probably think I think it is. Man, that's a that's a good big brother, mm-hmm. man. That's very selfless. <laughs> so well. let's – Let's jump into a little game before we let you bounce. We're just going to get the lighthearted side of Keegan James, if you don't mind. All right. All right. It's called This or That. I'm going to give you two options, and all you have to do is pick one or the other. The only rules are you can't say both and you can't say neither. Oh, gosh. All right. All right. So question one, as a pitcher – would you rather be able to have a chance to hit a walk-off bomb or would you rather have go into a game, bases loaded, no outs, up one run, and get out of the jam? That. that takes right. way That's the more longest skill. this or that in the history of the show. I had hey, to set it, it up. Takes, I mean, it hey. Way more, way more skill. You got to worry about three people and not just one pitch. I got you. All right. If if a guy hits a bomb on you and he pimps it hard, bat flip, stares you down, are you going to hit him or would you rather hit him or would you rather strike him out the next at bat? Strike him out and show the same emotion he did when he walked it off or pimped it. Is that what you guys are taught? Uh, we were at Mississippi State. I mean, it was when Wes Johnson was there, who's now the head pitching coach for the Minnesota Twins. He uh he taught us to walk around with our chest you know chest poked out and if they if they're gonna talk smack you're gonna do it too so I, I I like that part of the game if I strike somebody out and they look stupid I'm gonna let them know oh I'm chirping I love give them the Joe Kelly face got to got to are you a, a call guy or a text guy Ooh. text a lot but I prefer calling. Rather go back in the past or fast forward to the future? Ooh. That's a tough one. I think go back in the past. What would you change in the past? What would you do differently? Um <laughs> beat Oak Grove. Yeah, beat Oak Grove. <laughs> beat Oak Grove. Yeah, well, yeah, beat Oak Grove. I think focus more on the mental aspect of the game when I was in college. All right, who is better with getting a date? Cameron James or Keegan James? Bro, Cameron's been on like one date, me. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Cameron's brought one girl back to see mama. I don't want to hear nothing about him being better than me. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing on my part, but <laughs> I, I I thought about asking who's the better player, but I think I got the better question right there. That, yeah, that was much did. better question. I, I if you ask him that question, he he knows I I win that one. All right, last question. This is a question we ask all of our guests as we wrap up: Would you rather have money, or would you rather have friends? Friends, man. Money makes money makes hanging out with your friends. A lot of fun, but I wouldn't trade sitting around a campfire with all my buddies 
and talking about old stories. Bro, did you and Austin, did y'all rehearse that, the answer to that question? You know what, we we ain't asking no more pro baseball players because they got money. Yeah. No, nah, well, man, I ain't got no money. No, nah, I'm 25th rounder, well, but the money, the money will be nice if Lord willing I make it, but – What's money if you ain't got friends to have fun with the money? Well, well Dallas Dallas answered different than both of y'all. Let's, let's be clear on that. That man said he yeah. cutting y'all ass out. He's all yeah. gas, hey. no brakes. Yeah, yeah no, nah, Dallas chasing the bread. He's always chasing the bread. Same. <laughs> got to. All right, Keegan, man. Anything you want to plug or promote? Grand Junction, Colorado Rockies, start date, season. What do you got? Anything? Man, just I thank y'all for having me on here. Uh if you're in the Hernando area, Billingsley uh, Sports Performance, you know, base. It's my boy that I played at Mississippi State with. He played two years in the Astros uh, organization. He's opening up a new facility, um, you know, high-tech, pitching technology, pitch development, um, pro-style weightlifting, um, you know, individualized programs for everybody. He actually writes my programs right now. Go check him out. Awesome. Well, we want to thank you. And hopefully, you know, at the end of the season, we'll bring you back and hear about all the success that's going on. Hopefully you guys get a chance to get out there on the diamond and then you get out there to throw some and get some, some punchies. I hope so too, man. Thank y'all. All right. We're going to take a break. We're going to plug our sponsors. When we come back, Randy's going to make you rich. Jim's going to blow his whistle. I got my that's what's up award for the week, but first we got some headlines for you. Has your house lost its curb appeal by having those black stripes on your roof? Does your house have dirt, mold, or green algae on it? What about your driveway or your walkways? Do they have a black appearance or is it slick when it rains? If so, we have a solution for you. Give TNT Pressure Washing a call at 901-258-2311 or visit them on the web at www.tntpw4u.com to get a free estimate and get your property sparkling clean today. Are you looking for that five-star grooming? Oasis Grooming Barber and Beauty Spa is the place to go in North Mississippi. Chris and his staff will get you that fade, trim, or even that hair art you've been looking for. Located at 2662 Highway 51 South in Hernando, or be on the lookout for the new location going up in Silo Square. So join the OG lifestyle today and tell them the In Off the Bench sent you. Yo, welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. Randy, let's start off with some NBA action. Becky Hammond got her first opportunity as a head coach. Is this a foreshadowing of the future? I absolutely think so. I think that she's the heir apparent. You know, Pop can't coach forever, uh, much to the relief of Grizzlies fans. Uh, so I think that, you know, and the way that Pop handled it was typical Pop fashion. It was nothing fancy. He said, you know what? Uh, I got full trust in her. I didn't give her the job because she was a female. Obviously, it's a historic moment. We want to soak that in. Uh, but we trust in her ability to do the job, and he assumed that everybody already knew she was qualified for the job. So shout out to Pop for forward thinking like he always does. Uh, now, one thing we know he can do is evaluate talent and get some European dude that can shoot the, shoot the rock. So let me ask you this. Is, is her, her only avenue for a head coach the Spurs, or do you think she can take – what she's doing there and go somewhere else or the relationships that she's building right now with the Spurs is what is going to allow her to have trust and buy-in. I think if I'm Becky Hammond, I want to hold out for that job because what an organization to work for, you know, just the, 
uh, continuity of them keeping pop. I mean, obviously he has success, but I think they, you know, success breeds success. She's had interviews for other jobs. You know, she interviewed for the Pacers job. I think she interviewed for the Bucks job a while back. Uh, so I think she's going to have success wherever she goes. But if I'm her and who am I to tell her, you know, she's uber successful, but I'm holding out for that job. Jim, what's a more likely scenario? The Wizards make the playoffs or James Harden stays with the Rockets all season? James Harden stays with the Rockets all season. I think when you look at what he's done in his first couple games, um, I don't know. He's just too good of a scorer and a talent, regardless of how the three of us feel about him. I just don't see them actually pulling the trigger on getting rid of him. All right, Randy, give us a Grizz update. They won their last game. Well, they did not win their last game. They lost to the Lakers, but I want to talk about that for one second. I would be remiss if I did not shout out uh, Mark Gasol, uh, you know, a, a, a grandfather, forefather of the grit and grind era. Uh, I, I, a lot of things COVID's taken away from us. One thing it was fans being able to give tribute to Mark coming back home. You know, and Mark had a, uh, a little quote. You know, he said, the fans are what made my time here so special. And you carry their identity. And everywhere you go, you represent Memphis, Tennessee. And that is exactly why Mark, even though he's not as well-known as the grandfather, not as well-known as Zebo, maybe not even as Mike Conley, he deserves just as much credit as those guys. And I think we can all agree he's probably the most talented of the four. So give me a glimpse into the future. I mean, obviously they got the Lakers coming up. Another, I mean, it's going to be a tough game. Is, is there more wins or more losses in the future? You know, I think what you have to really judge yourself, they, they picked up a win in Charlotte that you probably weren't expecting, even though that's a team I think you should beat. But being without, you know, your top three, four guys, you know, just the fight that they've shown, you know, we, seeing what you get out of these young guys, you know, Bain, he's, he's showing himself to be a sharpshooter. So playing more, uh, you know, Dylan Brooks is still a little helter-skelter for me. Um, but I think he, he plays hard and you can respect that. And the identity to this team, it's not grit and grind. It is next, you know, Grizz next gen. Uh, but they got a lot of fight in them, and I, and I like it. In their Lakers game, they showed a lot of fight. The, the end of the day, it was LeBron James, the best player in basketball, taking over the game late. And in a pick and roll, you got the two best players in a pick and roll situation are LeBron and AD, and they beat him to death with it. So, you know, I, I wasn't uh, disheartened by watching that game. I was actually more encouraged watching that, seeing the fight in them. So I asked Jim this question off air, and I'll ask you this. Who ends up with a better record at the end of the season, the Wizards or the Grizzlies? Grizzlies, no doubt. Who do you think Jim said? Grizzlies. No. No, explain. Why. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not, let's not paint me in the wrong light. Let's explain why. He probably said the East is weak. Thank you. He, he did say that. He did say that. So I said that was the only reason. I said Washington's not nearly that, the team as Memphis. That's exactly what I said. But that was also after him saying they won their last two. <laughs> hey, hey, they're on a, they're on a winning streak. Hey, look, let me let me tell you something else. Uh, I didn't I didn't look it up before you had asked me, Daniel. But the the Sixers are six and one in regards to that James Harden thing. So just for the sake of the argument, let's assume the Sixers stay six successful then obviously that trade's not going to happen because that's the main suitor that the trade has been talked about so shout out to bias harris balling out for sure all right guys college basketball 
Joe Lenardi just posted an 80-team NCAA tournament. Jim, is that too many, or are you down for that? And I really like it the way it is. I mean, I love more college basketball. I get it, but I don't know. When I know that something works and it works well and it has for a long time, I really just don't want to mess with it. Randy, what would be – would there be more pros financially or more cons financially to have 80 teams in this thing? I think that, you know, by volume you may have more, but something that I wanted to point out, you know, just the tournament itself right now, the tournament value, everybody's like, what's it worth? Last year, losing the tournament, estimated value, they lost $375 million. So I don't know that you get much more than that, even if you add in 12 more teams. I think you leave it like it is, like Jim says, 68 teams, let's roll. Well, hey, Randy, I got a question. In, in regards to that value, that's just basketball itself. Like, I mean – have you seen any numbers that when you equate what the cities, hotels, restaurants, all that stuff, like what the magnitude of what that is? Yeah, that's probably, I mean, each city, a super regional is probably worth another 20 to 25 million in, in economic recovery. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's a great point. Indianapolis is about to get paid. Yeah, I saw that. Which is probably good. I mean, they, they are in probably in, in need of that. Um, I don't know. Where was the Final Four supposed to be held last year? Was it Indianapolis? I'll be honest. I don't remember. Yeah, I feel like there was something. You know who else could have probably prospered from that? It's the city of Tampa. No WrestleMania. No like, lack of They just got a basketball team to add to everything else they got. Tampa don't need nothing else. Yeah. Y'all got every pro. Now y'all got every pro. And y'all talking about taking more, bro. Y'all so stingy. We want all the smoke. All right, Randy, Tiger basketball. Tigers had a, had a one-point win uh, against U- USF, had a Temple game canceled due to COVID, nothing on the Memphis front. Um, next game is tomorrow night against UCF. Um, what's going on? I mean, there's, there's some rumors and there's some things about people leaving. Um, but what are you, you hear? You know, winning cures all. You know, you do have some transfers, and you got a lot of chirping, you know, through the basketball channels. The one thing about Memphis, you know, we're a tough love city. Uh, when things are going well, they're going to support you to the end. But the, the, the flip side of that being is when things aren't going like they think it should be, they're going to call you out on it. And I don't think that's all bad. I think that Penny would agree that, you know, he's not living up to his own expectations, the team not living up to their own. Uh, so I think what we have to see is just – it's not toughness. I've never called this team – soft they just need to establish an identity on the offensive end of the court uh and i think that if penny just keeps preaching the same message i think the problem for me right now is the message is changing and they keep changing the offense and i agree some things need to change you tweak it i don't think you can put in offenses mid-season to me i'm not a basketball coach though yeah um We've seen it in one one game, whether or not it was successful or not. I can't think you can determine that on a, a, a one point win. Um, but you're right. I, I just it's hard for me to imagine that we're gonna change everything that we have known, you know, where we're at in the season. So um Jim, are you looking forward to their game Tuesday night? Do they pick up a win or are they just fluttering by. No, I think they pick up a win, but in regards to that last win, 
I think what bothered me, Daniel, I know winning a conference game is, is winning. They celebrated, right? And, like, yeah, I get it. But they – I mean, to me, I wouldn't have felt as good as the way they acted walking off that court. Like, they they almost got beat, could have got beat, and they should have handled that team better than that. They, to me, should be walking off thinking, what do we need to do to fix what's going wrong that's still evident? Um, so, I hope – not only do they win, but I hope they win in a in a fashion. I'm not saying beat down, but one in which it's they're not edging somebody out. Yo, but did Penny? Would you see him celebrating? No, I I, didn't, I think that the expectation for him is different than some of these young guys. You know, some of these young guys. We talked about it. These transfers coming in, they 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 can be leaders. But I think you know what happened in that game, and let's call it like it is, because I've been a critic of Alex Lomax. Without Alex Lomax, they do not win that game. Period. Mm-hmm. No, and it, what what's becoming evident is that it's been not it's not very consistent. It's one player this game, one player that game, one player the other game, but never like the guy that it's supposed to be. And yo, can we talk about something real quick though? You know, one of just one of Jim's favorite guys. And I got to call it out because. He called it out one game and do balled out, but I have not even seen his name much mentioned since then. What what happened to your boy, Jim? Which which one? Damien. Damien. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, Damien Ball was. I mean, he was all over the court, but I mean, there's a couple dudes I've shouted out that have have fallen off. Like, I mean, that's the thing. There's no consistency from game to game. I mean, you don't know who's gonna you don't know who's gonna show up each game. Am I correct? I mean, no, you, I agree. And in college basketball, high level college basketball, you need a dude to say, "Hey, go get us a bucket." And I just don't think they have like right Tennessee now. right now. Like, get, you, I bet you got two names you can tell me right now that that you know every game they're gonna bring it and they're gonna do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Even though they just took a bad loss, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, so, since we're on that. You know, we we talked about undefeated season and and challenges and the SEC being down, but um, they did have a stumble against Alabama. What what went wrong? Shooting. You know, and they they lost uh, one of their talented freshmen, and he rolled his ankle. Not that's not an excuse. You gotta it's got to be a next man up. But there's you know senior leader John Fulkerson played horrid, and they shot the ball really bad. And let's be real, Alabama caught fire, and that's to credit to them. I'm not saying they did something they, they, they shouldn't do. They hit shots, and Tennessee didn't. Tennessee, as bad as they played, had a chance at the end uh, to still win the game. And, you know, Pons gets in foul trouble. It was just a – you know, Rick Barnes pointed it out, and he held everybody accountable. He said at the end of the game, he said, look, if we were overconfident, all that should be erased by now. We're not good enough to sleepwalk through games and win. That's not who we are. So, you know, I, shout out to him for holding his guys accountable but Randy, and all those headlines. But, Randy, we've always talked about it anyway. A loss is good sometimes. I mean, because the way y'all were playing, me and you even I, – I or not you, I said to you, you know, right now they look unbeatable. They, they do need to be – you know, a team sometimes does need to be humbled. They do. And now they got Arkansas coming up. You know, they – Arkansas – you know, the Tennessee blows out Missouri. So, they probably – look, let's be honest. Those are young kids. They're buying their own press clippings, right? They blow out Missouri, top 12 team. Missouri goes on, smokes Arkansas – who was undefeated. Now Tennessee's at Arkansas. So they got a chance to get right back on track and, and you got to do it. Obviously, you know, cause DB, you pointed out last episode about Kansas that all of a sudden that game doesn't even look near as, uh, as eventful now because they just took a drubbing, man. They just got smoke in Allen fog. 
Yeah, this is a weird year for Blue Bloods. I'm looking at the top 25 right now, and when you look at Michigan State, the, go back to when Daniel asked us about those four teams playing that night between Kentucky and Duke and Michigan State and them and all them. I mean, some ain't in the rankings. Some are hanging on by the thread in the rankings. That's crazy. I think that we all can agree that in nowhere does it matter more about fans than college basketball. Oh, absolutely. You can ask Duke about that. In, in uh, Kansas. I mean, yeah. you, think about it. I've never been there. I'd love to go. We, let's make a podcast field trip to the Allen Fieldhouse. What a great place to go. Yeah, let's do it. You want to go on, uh, well. January 30th? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so transition and staying with college, but let's move to football. We had the college football playoff start. We had Ohio State beating Clemson. Jim, how, how did they do that? Man, okay, so – Let's go to real-time talk, right? So, we, I, I'll hate to go right to the obvious, but I got nervous. Obviously, Sermon was doing what he was doing on the ground. Hold on. Let me stop you for a second. You want to go to real-time talk? Like, in the in the moment of the game where you were telling us not to text you because you were, you were wanting to do picture-in-picture? Ha-ha. Picture? <laughs> no, you, what I mean by not real – real time between talk between y'all I'm talking about when when Randy texted and said Justin Fields may be done and that thought was in my head it was in everybody's head and then he comes out and throws that touchdown but even still you're gonna go to halftime you know you take a break things tighten up and he comes out and throws that dang a dime how, yeah however long pass and and that that's the difference like I said Sermon almost had 200 yards on the ground. So, it, it wasn't a one-man effort. But the throws that Fields made were amazing. And to do it after that injury, that's why they won. Yes, defense plays in the game. Yes, the running game was there. But that quarterback and the way he played is my easiest way to make the argument on why they won. Yo, but well, I'm going to say this just because I'm going to say it every time. I agree, and I said it real time. The letter of the law says that's targeting. But get rid of that sissy ass rule that's a good football play Justin Fields spins into him and for the second year in a row even though last year it was a lot more you know it was obvious but he gets kicked out of a national title game for playing hard-nosed football I, I can't deal with it yeah I on this in the moment as it's happening I'm like wow he got hit and not once did I think that was targeting it wasn't until they slowed it down and then they started talking about it where I was like, okay, like I can see that being targeting, but I never thought that they were going to call it that. But Hatton, I'll ask you this, Randy. If Justin Fields gets hit and gets right back up, do they call it? No way. No. And we talk about that with flopping all the time too. And I'm not saying Justin Fields flopped. But I think that definitely played into no, it. Okay, he hey, let's he go review flop. it. That no, he didn't. Hurting. I'm not saying that he did, but it was also the dramatic way that he stays down. And you got the other guys on his team say, hey, come on out here, trainers, do what you do. I think that played into it. Yes, DB. I think the reason when, when Randy, when you text and said that he may not be coming back, I think the reason is, is I, I rewind back four weeks to a Saints game where I watched a quarterback get hit in the ribs the same way. And, and not he, even that hard. Yeah. yeah. So. Not, I'm not saying Drew Brees is a sissy, but, but you get what I'm saying. A shot, yeah. a helmet shot to to that area can end a day for sure. 
So, Randy, Dabo's still still sticking with his guns that Ohio State's the 11th best team in the country. Are you you good with, with him sticking with that? Man, he, he can't – you can't come off the hill now. And he, gave a lot of, he gave a lot of respect to those guys. Uh, and I think that – and I talked about it too. He gave them bulletin board material. Even though what he said wasn't a direct indictment, he wasn't saying that team isn't talented enough to be a top-four team. He was saying based on the letter of the law that the Big Ten wrote. Let's keep that in mind. The Big Ten made that rule. Nobody else. The NCAA didn't. Big Ten did. And they, then they changed the rule to get them in. And, and now we know why. Because the Big Ten's like, hold up. We feel like we got a squad that can go up there and compete. And they not only compete, they beat that ass. Yeah. Um, do you think Ohio State can beat Bama, Randy? Yes. Yes, I do. And, and I'm not saying – by no means, if you put a gun to my head, I'm not picking them. But you – skill positions and speed are the one thing Alabama's going to get you on. And Ohio State has a, a ton of both of those. They got talent all over the field, and they have speed all over the field. And they're well-coached, very well-coached. Jim, you still rolling with Ohio State? Yeah, I am rolling. But, you know, since Randy did bring up skill positions, uh, it will be interesting to see if Waddle is able to make that comeback. Ooh, that's a game-changer. Yeah, he, he's an absolute game-changer. But, I, I mean, I expect a high-scoring affair. Anybody who's betting on it, take the over. <laughs> Well, speaking of bets, we had our predictions, and let me give you guys the 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 update. Jim, you're sitting in third place at sixteen and nine. Uh, Randy and I are both tied with at seventeen and eight. So it, it really comes down to this week's uh, or Monday's game. And I'll start with you, Jim. Who are you taking? Well, I felt look, I felt real good right before Randy started talking about Ohio State winning because I thought I had a chance no matter what because y'all are 100% going to take Alabama. Now I'm a little nervous that it's not going that way. But I'm going to take Ohio State and hope that y'all are going the other way so I have a chance in this. But I would have picked Ohio State either way. All right. What's what's your total score? Well, you know, I just talked about that. Give me – just by the off chance we take Alabama, we're going to need a tiebreaker. Uh, man, let's just go with, like, 75. Dang, zero defense. All right. Randy, who are you taking? Alabama. Total score. Hold on, I'm adding it up. But I think that I'll, just so you I'm know, when you, said, when you said no defense, just for, for perspective – the Ohio State Clemson game was was seventy seven, seventy eight. Yeah, so. give me give me seventy nine. I'm going forty five thirty four. But who did he pick? I was I was too busy calculating. Ba- Bama. Oh, sh- I still got a chance. Daniel, don't you dare go Ohio State. All right, let's see. I'm gonna I'm gonna. Even I though like how, I like how you went last, by the way, just I, to be able to figure out your situation. I, I do, I do want Ohio State to win. I, I don't really want Alabama to win, but for the sake of to be clear, I do not want Alabama to win. Right, for the for the sake of just having you know Jim have the opportunity to to win, I, I will go. I will go Alabama. 
And I'm going to go a score of 34 to 28 gives us 62 points. Somebody expects some defense. Mm, I, ain't, I ain't seeing that, bro. I mean, 30, <laughs> 34 to 28, I mean, this is – it's not really a defensive battle, dude. I'm I'm actually wondering it like that game. That game could end up looking like the Ole Miss Alabama game did. <laughs> I was about to say Ole Miss put up a ton of coin on them dudes, and I do not. Nobody in the world could convince me that Ole Miss is better than Ohio State. Oh, uh, Randy, how many total points? Seventy nine, 45-34. I almost want to do the uh, the old Price is Right, Randy. And go eighty. Yeah, one. Yeah, right. Eighty. <laughs> eighty. Come on down. All right. We'll see what happens. So let's uh let's let's talk the, the, the big the big weekend NFL football. We have our fine we had our final regular season game um or slate of games this past week. The playoffs seedings are set. Randy, looking at the AFC, what do you what are your thoughts? Uh I'm gonna start with uh, the obvious in that um you know, I called the Titans losing, and they almost proved me right. Uh, shout out to the young kicker for boinking and getting lucky going in. I ain't giving you no credit, Titans fans. You thought I was. I'm not. Uh, you almost gave the South away, but first time since 2008. So, you know what? Shout out to you little Titans fans. I had to give you a little something after all these years. But uh, the Colts are still in. Shout out to the Dolphins uh, for doing what you do. Hootie made a song about you. The Dolphins always make me cry. So, shout out to you. <laughs> Got you a little draft pick. Better use it on a quarterback because two ain't it. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is leaving because you treated him like garbage. But uh, I think that – Hot team, take. Hot take. Hot take. So, what, I'm, what, I, what I really – and I know the gym's going to scoff at this, but the team that nobody's talking about that I feel like is so dangerous is the Ravens. And I don't mean that because of uh, Lamar Jackson alone. I just think that they're, they're better than they were last year. And uh, I'm kind of happy that the Colts avoided that. Honestly, I would have rather had the South, but uh, playing the Bills, I'm not by no means, but I picked the Colts against the Bills. Shout out to the Colts. I was glad you made it in. Phillip Rivers, you almost cost us, big boy. But anyway, um, the Ravens are so dangerous. And the one, another thing too, man, how about that division, the AFC North, getting three teams in, you know, the Browns, shout out to them for beating the JV squad, you know what I'm saying? But uh, they're going to get a rematch. We're going to see what them Browns are made of. The defense played, sir. Actually, everybody but the quarterback played. Everybody but the quarterback. They did have it. They had a couple guys out on defense on the line, but you know what? TJ did play, so I'm gonna give you that. But uh, the quarterback makes a big difference. Mason Rudolph versus Big Ben. Come on, baby. Come on. And and you know what? Baker Mayfield finally came up in a big moment because I'm not. I honestly think that if he did not win that game, you could be talking about getting Baker out of there. Because can I, can I ask you a question though, Randy? Going back to last week's discussion, did did Baker have his receivers this week? Just curious. Oh, that's he right. He did. did. He did, and his, he 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 did not play. He look, look. What about your, your Nick Chubb showed up? It wasn't about Baker. It was about Nick Chubb showing up. And I and I need, I need some explanation. And I know you said it's just that's the Browns. That's the terrible coaching. I just don't understand how a guy on an every week basis can have like an eight yard per carry average and get so few carries every week. It drives me nuts. Well, after you said that, I went and looked it up. And, you know, in the Jets game, there's no excuse. They gave him the carries, and he just didn't get the yards. He had 28 yards. He just didn't do it. But, um, you know, average five yards a carry over the season. So, he, he's doing well. You got Kareem Hunt. You do want to split some carries. Let's not act like that guy's trash. But 
they want to get the ball in Baker's hands, good or bad or indifferent. So I, I think they're going to ride or die with him. And I, unfortunately, I think that means they're going to die. So, Randy, just picking the, the AFC, who, who's winning? Well, just, we'll just this weekend's games, who you got? I mean, I got to go. Oh, I can't pick against my Colts. I, I, if I had to put my large money, I got to pick the Bills. They're healthier and they're a little bit better. Um, I'm, I'm, te- I'm taking the Steelers over the Browns, and I'm taking the Ravens over the Titans. Oh, okay. I think the Ravens got the Titans. All right. I think Ravens are the team that nobody's talking about that is going to challenge the Chiefs for the AFC. Well, they they got to play better. Um, they they're they're moving in the right direction, but according to Jim, they don't have the right quarterback. So, but I, I will ask you, Jim, AFC wise, who's winning this weekend? Well, official officially, did Randy go Colts or Bills? Bills. Bills. I was gonna say because me and Randy are opposite on all of them, but since he took the Bills. Um, give me the Bills, give me the Browns, give me the Titans, and I can't wait. You said the Browns weren't going to make the playoffs. You said I say it every year. This is only the second year in a row, so still batting uh, 500, and I think they can beat the Steelers. And last week they may have been missing a couple of players, but I think the Browns can do it. And then I think Titans, I think King, King Henry, he's done demoralized the Ravens before. I think he's going to do it again. Yeah, for me, I'm taking Bills, Steelers, and Titans. Jim. Come on, Daniel. Take the Browns, bro. No, not a chance. Not can, a and chance. can I get any love? We Now that we've gotten here, I need I need to hear something from you guys because you laughed at me. Well, I'm still laughing at you, but no. 11 and 5. Wow. 11 and 5. Bunch of busters. You're going to see uh, – you're gonna see a, a seven and nine team. Do you know what? Do you know what eleven and five is? The opposite of the Dallas Cowboys record. Hey, and that's fine. That's fine. And that was, you know, one win away from, you know, having a chance <laughs> at the playoffs. So there you go. All right, Jim. Since you want to talk, talk, talk all that smack about the NFC. Who you got? Uh, got the Saints over the Bears. Um. You know, hopefully Alvin Kamara plays. If he doesn't, it'll be interesting, Daniel. I told you this earlier on the phone. I don't know if Randy knows this. But when the Saints played the Bears earlier in the season, they had no Michael Thomas or uh, Manuel Sanders, who was in COVID protocol. So they didn't have their receivers. Um, That was actually the game where Callaway made a name for himself. And so now they could possibly be going into this matchup with the Bears with all their receivers back and not the running backs. But either way, they're still a better team. Um, they will win. I'd rather Drew have his receivers. Um, Seahawks, Rams, I don't even know if Jared Goff's going to play, but I wouldn't bet against Russell Wilson, even with the struggles, especially in Seattle. And then, as much as I hate to say it, the Buccaneers will beat Washington. And as you pointed out, Mike Evans did get hurt, but the Antonio Brown-Tom Brady connection is heating up week by week. Godwin's in the mix, Gronk. You know, you got two running backs back there who can run. And then defense now, I will say this while we're on the COVID thing, um, Devin White, maybe my second favorite LSU player ever. Um, 
as of right now, they're saying he will not be able to play because the game is on Saturday instead of Sunday, and that is that is tragic for himself and for that team. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I would take uh, Bucks, Seahawks, and Saints. Um, even if Jared Goff is playing, you know, we talked about it um, earlier, but, you know, Russell Wilson hasn't been as sharp as he as he's been in the past, but it's the playoffs and, and he's a guy who is a veteran to the playoffs and, and he, he's going to get it done. Um, Jared Goff is still, you know, he's been, been at high levels, been to the playoffs, but yet he's still, he's too inconsistent right now, especially this season. But I'll ask you, Randy, finish us up, man. Who are you taking in the NFC? Same, same. We don't, we don't differ on anything. Bucks, Hawks, and Saints. Hey, Randy, I will say this, and I said this to Daniel earlier. I wasn't a fan that they went to the seven-team um, format, but I'll say the NFL's winning in a, a specifically with the AFC because those three matchups are gold. I agree. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, the the AFC is definitely winning in in the the matchup battle for for this first round of playoffs, and I just think the AFC is a better division or a better, better league of, of football than the NFC right now. Um, but guys, let's, let's wrap, let's wrap it up. Let's, let's hit our segments and let's get out of here. Randy, make us rich, bro. So, you know, everybody, you hear a lot about the, the contract, you know, hitting your markers to get your uh, bonuses. And I want to talk about a couple things. Biggest gain this weekend, Leonard Floyd, he needed a half a sack to earn a $1.25 million bonus. Got that in his game, so shout-out to Leonard Floyd. Biggest miss. So we got to talk about it. Biggest miss. Vikings left tackle, Riley Reef. $1 million bonus if he played 93.75% of the snaps. Guys, he finished the season 92.6% of the snaps. So, man, come on, coach and staff. Get that boy his bread. And I want to – I got to shout out real quick. I want to shout out the average – and this is crazy to me. Limited fans for the national championship game, 16,000 fans in Miami. Saw a dude right before we came on, paid $18,240, two tickets on the 50-yard line to see Ohio State, Alabama. Average ticket, $243.30. That's only the fourth highest in the past 10 years. So they're paying some – coin to go to this game boys dang dang all right jim there's a lot a lot of rants that you could have went with but who are you blowing the whistle on this week man you're not lying there were a ton but not only do i have my one for the week but it's my one for the season it's only fitting in the nfl last week of the season it is fourth and goal for minnesota against detroit and they do a play-action pass, and Kirk Cousins gets sacked. Your ordinary, everyday sack. Just perfect blitz, stunt. He gets sacked. He doesn't get driven to the ground. Guy did his job, and they called roughing the passer. Now, we always talk about when it comes to these penalties, you know, does it really have a big outcome on the game? Well, it was a tie game in the fourth quarter, and that obviously gave them a new set of downs, first and goal on the one, and, of course, they punched it in. So it did have a dramatic effect on the game, 
and it was an atrocious call, and it was the worst one that I can think that I've seen all year. So I'm not just blowing the whistle in general, but it gets my award for, for worst officiating call of the NFL season. Well, I mean, are you sure you want to give that? The, the Saints got a playoff game coming up. Anything could happen here. I heard it was the same crew, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, it, might, it might be. It might be. All right. For me, guys, the That's What's Up Award is going to go to Dean Craven. All right. You may not know Dean Craven, but Dean Craven spent uh, some time watching his neighbors, uh, five-year-old Brian Kelly and his father, David Kelly, um, David Kelly uh, was in the military and went on deployment, but Dean spent many days watching Brian and David work out in the yard, and and the five-year-old Brian absolutely loved doing yard work, riding on the riding lawnmower with his dad, blowing the leaves and raking. Um, but when Dean, the neighbor, got wind of, of Brian's dad going on deployment, he stepped up and said, you know what, I, I know how much you like doing the yard with your dad, so I'm going to make sure you have somebody to do yard work with um, every week. So uh, Dean is, has honored that commitment with, the, with Brian, and they are spending their, their weeks doing yard work, which is something, you know, that, that Brian loved to do with his dad. So shout out to Dean Craven. And my man, that's what's up. And if you really want to know what's that, what's up, check us out next week. Um, we got you got Cade Beloso, LSU baseball coming up. So be interesting, a uh, little little chat with him and get the the scoop on LSU baseball and and what it's looking like for them with COVID and and all the protocols going on. I also want to thank uh, Keegan James for joining us tonight. If you like hearing us Average Joes talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. This has been the In Off the Bench Podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.